Welcome to episode 11 of the imaginatively titled Merv Hughes Fishing, starring Jason Kennedy. Thank you very much. Kevin Hillier. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Mervyn Gregory Hughes. You can all get stuff. <laughs> Seriously, Merv Hughes Fishing, and I come in third. I should be headlining this bloody table. You made the podium. Yeah, okay. No, fair enough. Welcome, um, Grumpy Guts. No, I'm going very well, Kevin. And, uh, listen, absolute pleasure to be working with you, um, the disabled. Um, give, give people a chance, I say, and Uh-oh. you've got nothing else to do, so I'll drag you in yeah, and look after you. Much. Put a blanket over you, put some pillows down, and this is the gratitude I get. I the get wonderful nothing. thing about podcasting is that uh, you can do all sorts of things in between uh, podcasts. Now, you've been to England. You've been yes. over there uh, on a on – a, now, it was originally to be a playing, I believe, you were going it playing, was, coaching was going to be role. a playing, coaching role over there with um, – Sean Brown, who does uh, a lot of coaching around the place, he has a coaching school, uh, came up with an idea of taking a master's tour over. And we yep. took um, guys mostly over over 40, over 45 over that had a dream as, as young guys that to play your cricket. IQ. Um, both. Uh, no, age, of course. Uh, my IQ may have slipped under that, but uh, that's another story. Um, so guys that had dreamed of going over never got over there yep. and they just had the opportunity to play in England so I turned into a coaching role with my arm still in the, in the brace um, still got three weeks to go in the brace um, and then uh, son Tim oldest boy is over there playing at Skegness which is east of Manchester on the coast uh, right. I spent a week with him Okay, he's going Beautiful. Right. And you've been yeah. off sunning yourself in Bali. You have a bit of time away, guys, just, just surviving earthquakes. And I said to her, look, uh, did the earth really move for you? She said, no, it was 6.8, you idiot. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, a lot of those. That was Mate, my he's idea. red hair and freckles. He doesn't sun himself anywhere. <laughs> no. He stays in the cabin with the air conditioner on, drinking pina coladas. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get fair, and, 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 and reading self-help books about being red-headed, <laughs> freckled yeah, and sunning. About, yeah, about, yeah, building up one's confidence and... No, he's, he's got a bit of a confidence here. Um, listen, big show today, Kev. Huge show now. now this is this is well, we're going to the top shelf, aren't we? For for everyone that that knows about fishing, Taj Bush. That's all yep. we have to say. Bushy. Yep. Um, for you, we've got to explain who he okay. is. Who is he? Um, he's he's a guru. So he pioneered um, soft plastics in in Australia. Yep. Uh, went over to America, uh, brought them back, and him along with Steve Sterling. Um, so Sterlow and Bushy, or Bushy and Sterlow, should I say, um, pioneered the soft plastics. And we're going to have a talk to, to Taj. And he's, now, a lot um, of people would know him from his, uh, from his Rex Hunt days. Yeah, Rex Hunt days. He does a lot of fishing reports. Um, I fish with Paul Worsling. Um, every time Paul Worsling goes up to that south coast and even through Gippsland Lakes up towards the New South Wales border there, um, Taj is on the show. He's just a, an absolute fishing guru. Yes, he is. And um, who was his partner in crime again? Look at him. Moves, <laughs> Look moves, at his moves in shock now. The pain's just come back to his arm. <laughs> He's about to turn the no, I, I, I want to say, yeah, it is Starling. I would have said Sterling. Mate. Yeah, Starling. Steve Starling. Sorry, I'm sorry. Starlo, I'm very sorry about that. Um, fish with Steve. We'll have to get him on the show. Sterling. Um, so bloke. he can call me Merv Huge Ass. Um, <laughs> but um, we, we, we fish this freshwater classic. So well, I should get his name right. So I do apologise, Steve, if you ever listen to this. All right. Well, you can't muck, you can't muck up Bushy. That's a pretty easy name Taj to remember. Bush. And we'll uh, we'll talk to Bushy next here on Merv Hughes Fishing. Mm-hmm. 
Merv Hughes Fishing is the name of this show. And our special guest, Merv and Gregory, I don't, do I have to say any more than, ladies and gentlemen, it's bushy. It's bushy. Anyone that's listening to this will be into fishing. Anyone that knows fishing knows bushy. Bushy, how are you, mate? I'm firing on all cylinders, Merv. No uh, problem at all. Just been trimming the moustache, keeping it a bit bigger than yours, and it's uh, all good. Well, I'm tipping it's not as grey as mine. I'm, mine's, mine's just grey and withering at the moment. It used to be black and brutally, but that's another yeah, story. I now, just I got a, I just got a quick question for you. Um, I reckon fishermen are like bears. When it gets a little bit cold, they hibernate. Now, yeah. With the with the winter on, have you been doing much or have you been hibernating? No, I don't sort of hibernate. When you get really old, Merv, you've got to make every post of any kind of hibernate. <laughs> so what are, what have you been up to uh, over the winter? What what sort of well, fishing do you do? I've been catching a few um, a few different fish, but I've gone a bit mad on the garfish actually. Yeah, um, because they're they're probably a bit boring. They don't leap out like marlin or whatever. But um, we get a few good seagulls here in the in the winter and uh, my god are they good to eat I'm, I'm definitely a fiend on them they've just about climbed up my list to, to about number one on the top of the pecking order for eating so well they're not yeah. they're not bad bait either are they I don't know they never get that far <laughs> <laughs> so when, when we talk your fishing your um, south coast of, of um, New South Wales so the, yep. uh, the Sapphire Coast there I think it is is it Yep. Yeah, that's it. Exactly yeah. right. God, you're well prepared, Merv. You've <laughs> oh, mate. The I'm, I'm good at geography. I'm all over it. Um, and do you stick close to home these days, or do you still travel far and wide? Oh, well, I really like to fish about three hours from a front door. Even when I was travelling all over the planet, I still really wanted to fish three hours from a front door. So um, three hours from my front door gives me – I can sneak down into Victoria and catch a few of your fish down there while you're not looking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And when, when, we, when we're talking that, um, they're, they're the lakes down there, so mainly brim, you after there? Oh, uh, I don't think there's any of them left, actually, but I've, I've sneaked down to get a few King George Whiting out of the Gippsland okay. Lakes. That's been yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I really do like that. It's, oh, I love Gippsland Lakes. I mean, I was brought up there as a kid and, and I've, I've uh, yeah, kept a bit of an eye on that over the years. So I really love catching the King George Whiting down there. That's um, They're, they're gold. And you talk about uh, garfish being a good chew. They are good eating the, the whiting. Yeah, the whiting are good. I, uh, they're probably they're up there. Um, I generally like to have a pretty good supply of King George whiting, of our sand whiting, and then gars. They're, they're, my, they're my three species of, of eating. The rest's probably fun. Yeah. Um, and they're the, yeah, they're the ones that have to bear the brunt because, my God, they're all good. And, and look, I know I've probably changed my fishing a little bit. I really do appreciate eating good good seafood and i think over the years in australia we've been a bit slack really we've had a good product but people just in general probably don't look after it as well as they should and maybe i can put myself in that in that category so um lately i've been really looking forward to catching good fish and then preparing it really well looking after it really well and yeah i'm, I'm enjoying that that's that's been my sort of bag for a while yeah g'day bushy jason kennedy here how you going mate good jace yeah, now I'm just going to explain to Kevin Hillier. Kevin's Kevin's a novice when it comes to fishing, Absolutely. but I just want I just want you to talk through. Bushy, Kevin's a novice when it comes to life in <laughs> yeah, general. Thanks very much. Yeah, good. I just I just want you to explain to Kevin just about a blue fox. Now, Kevin, when soft plastics first came into Australia and they just um, revolutionised the way we fish, this bloke on the microphone right now, this Bushy and his mate Starlo, they invented a company called Blue Fox, and they just went nuts and they just. 
they developed so many soft plastics, which actually changed the whole fishing landscape here in Australia. So just just talk Kevin through, Bushy, just how you and Starlow got about to creating Blue Fox in the course over the year brand called um, Squidgies. Right, how far do we have to go back? Yeah. Oh, right, right <laughs> to the start. So right to Captain Cook land. When Jesus was still right. in the engineering room. These blokes are going to get it shortly, yeah, Bushy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I guess... Um, I've worked for a guy called John Dumpy. Unfortunately, he's died now, John. He's a great a great guy, and, and I was doing a bit of work for him after uh, the Shimano company. And, uh, of course, I'd been over to America a few years previous, and I'd seen a lot of soft plastics uh, for the black bass that they have over there, or the, the largemouth bass they have over there. So I sort of I knew about soft plastics to some degree, but the ones we had in this country just were uh, suitable for largemouth bass, and they don't call them largemouth bass because they're picky and they've got small mouths, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So most of the stuff that was designed for them was pretty useless for our fish, especially brim. So um, really, I got pretty uh, pretty keen on catching these brim on lures and found some I couldn't catch. Long story short, I sort of got to cutting up soft plastics that were on the market, cutting them up and joining them together with hot knives and the jig heads we used to have that were, again, for flatties and stuff, the old Mr. Twister jig heads. You could sit on one and go all the way to Melbourne. You wouldn't hurt yourself. So yeah, had to, had to manufacture a few things. Just sat around and tinkered on the on the brander. For some reason, I, I had some of this stuff with me, and and we had a meeting with Dump for some other reason. Starlo and I, I'm showing Starlo all this stuff and showing him a few pictures of what I'd caught. And John Dumpy's a lot smarter than I am. I'm living in a bark hut, and John Dumpy had the six million dollar house on Port Hackett. So <laughs> who, who was happier though? <laughs> well, probably Dumpy. You used to drink about a gallon of white wine a day. But. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I um, I had this stuff there, and he said, oh, what's this stuff? Why are you going through all this trouble of cutting it up? I said, well, you can't buy anything done that works on our fish. And he said, right, son. He said, uh, I'll give you about three weeks. You make a, a list of prototypes, and I'm sending you to China, and don't come back till uh, you've got some good working models, and we'll be right. And I've just sort of sat back and went, holy hell, what have I got myself to do here? <laughs> but over the time, with what's out now and what you pioneered, it was well worthwhile, Bushy. Oh, look, it was, it was pretty good. It just meant I could go fishing for about 15 years and not work real hard and do a lot of fishing and, and earn enough to at least, put, you know, at least put the petrol in the car to go fishing. So I didn't ever make any money, but I, I at least made wages. So well, that's pretty Bushy, good. did uh, you sell them back into America? I wish we could have. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that, was, that, was, that was always a, a, a big thing. I, I, I wanted to, but because we were um, – Rapala was the company that owned the actual plastics factory, and for whatever reason, they made other plastics that went into America – um, there would have been a walk-up start. I mean, we, we did um, send some over there to quite a few bass fishermen and other people that got onto them, and, and they worked a treat. We would have made – I wouldn't have been talking to you blokes. I'd have been <laughs> driving around and talking to Donald Trump on the, in the jet. <laughs> 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 well, mate, it's, we didn't make that. And, and it has come a long way. Like, There's still a, a lot of the, the old-timers that, that I like like to call them the blokes that um, obviously are in their 60s and 70s that they, they won't touch it they're still bait fishermen um, you got the young breed coming through that that are hard body and, and they're all sort of different but gee that, that soft plastic range um, just had its niece for a long time and the more people that are getting involved with it well I suppose the more people that use it um, see how, how well they work and then they, they stick with it don't they? Yeah look it's, I was always going to swing back I mean we kind of dominated the market for a while but it was pretty difficult back in those days because Shimano was actually doubling doubling its its business about every year, and it just was very difficult to fund. So we created a good market, and we had some, but we had a pretty fair supply of it. But unfortunately for me, anyway, 
because uh, I was on a percentage. So we could not we could not physically supply that market. Um, we just couldn't do it. He couldn't grow Shimano to the extent he wanted and, and supply everything that we had. It's simple as that. It's pretty hard when your business is growing that fast. So basically, we created a big market and then we couldn't we couldn't fill it. So a lot of other companies, obviously enough, you know, jumped on the bandwagon and, and came and took a lot of market share from it. So good luck to them. You know, that's how the world works. Um, so yeah, but it was it was very interesting to be involved in, in it um, at the bottom line. And I guess it just came back that I'm a desperado fisherman i just i don't like fishing much at all actually i, I just like catching and that's the facts of the matter <laughs> that's just that's true as so I, I had to i just have to catch them that's it I'll, I'll walk over broken glass to catch one um and if i can catch one more well i'll, I'll double the broken glass so wow. that's just uh, that's not a that's not praising myself up that's just an addiction that's all that is yeah so bushy just just one more question without notice i just want to explain to kevin how we had tim the brim on here the, uh, the other week and i said he was fishing royalty but we've gone probably one level there's rex up up number one kev just right. the, the doyen and bushy's probably number two so just explain to kevin our, our listeners bushy about how you got involved with rex hunt fishing oh i guess um i used to i used to do a bit of a report for rex back when he was when he was uh, just before he, he did his tv show just uh a bit of a radio, short radio thing. So I guess I knew him a little bit, and uh, he knew that I knew a bit about fishing in, in this area. So got a phone call out of the blue one day, and, and by the way, I had the, the ass completely out of my pants at that stage. I was living in the gutter and eating the dates off the calendar. Don't worry about that. So <laughs> anyway, I, I, get the, I get the call from the great man, and, and he says, Bushy, I've just got this TV show, and I don't know what the bloody hell I'm going to do, but he said, you might be able to help me at some stage. You know, I know you know a bit about fishing, so... Of course, I've jumped on that and said, "Yeah, Rex, any, anything you want." So, just um, a lot of different people were helping him and, you know, giving him some some help getting his show started. But most of them were had some sort of a way to make money out of it, whether guides or tourism people or, or something. So I didn't. And every time I did something for Rex, I had to take days off work and starve. So I, I just did a few things for him. Then I just said, "Mate." I'm happy to do this stuff, but I don't care about what you do with anyone else, but you're going to just have to pay me. I'm a good negotiator. I said, I don't care what you pay me. Just, <laughs> just pay me. Yeah. So he went, oh, well, fair enough. So they started paying me a little bit. And once, you know, once you turn the tap on, um, it was easy to just keep me going. And I guess Rexy just got really, really into it in, at that stage, calling his footy and doing all these other things. So he needed a couple of people to help him out. So, yeah, I looked. Mostly luck, you'd have to say. Um, you've got to take a bit of luck when you get it. Well, Bushy, the big the big thing is right time, right place, and obviously you're in the, the right place at the right time. Now, just go back to your squids. Obviously, you you designed, created um, a, a heap of different um, types of of soft plastics. What which which product are you most proud of? Oh, I guess even Shimano probably didn't get what I did for them at, at the beginning because what I what I tried to do. Was to look at fishing in a in a sort of a total a total concept. So we had we had the squidgy wrigglers, which were a, a lure that had a pretty straight swimming body, but a really uh, aggressive little tail that, that that just was quite seductive and it, and it made the right vibrations in the water. That was that was one style of lure that I that I designed for yeah. a purpose for tricky fish like brim, maybe trout, a lot of different fish like that style of lure. But I also went to uh, lures we called the fish, which are a more traditional um, style with a with a moving, uh, would you say, just the fish-shaped lure that had a hard, aggressive tail beak. So it was a different lure. It was a more, much more aggressive lure. So in those two ranges of lures, uh, I wanted to cover a totally different different aspect of fishing. And then and then what I wanted them to do, which was a, a hell of a fight to get them to do it, was to go from really small 
to really big. So so basically what, what I tried to do was to cover a whole spectrum so that if you bought a squidgy and a range of duke heads, didn't matter what you wanted to catch, you had a fair chance to catch it. So that's probably what I'm proudest of in that in that regard, I guess. Uh, yep. And I don't think they ever quite got that because it was always a fight to keep things in the range, you know, because obviously you try and pick the eyes out of a range if, you, if you're a seller, if, you, if you're Shimano. But I just wanted to keep the whole range there so whatever situation someone got into, they could catch a fish with my lures. Yeah, that's, that's right, Bushy. Actually, I've got four fish on my wall, Merv. You've, you've seen them. And my biggest trout went 10 pounds at, at Ilden and was on actually one of your squidgy wrigglers in the avocado. So that was probably about 12, 15 years ago. Bushy, so yeah, well, I've just got to thank you for that, mate. Yeah, well, it was, it was a lot of fun, actually. We had... We had a pretty interesting run there because we had John Dunphy who was completely mad and, and on the white wine most of the time for a long lunch and a brilliant man. And we had a guy called Mark Mickelson who was the engine room. He's, he provided the grunt. So we had a few mad ideas. Dunphy was mad enough to go along with us and then mistakes we made or, or whatever had to be cleaned up. Well, Mark Mickelson came and cleaned them up and the good things, he pushed them forward. So it's one of those things where you know, I'm not too bad at some things, but I'm pretty useless at others. And <laughs> it just worked out. We had the right people doing the right thing. So, yeah, it was it was a hell of a ride for a while there. We we, we did pretty well. I mean, it's come to an end now. The the, old, the Japanese guys have taken over the company now, so they've given me the flip. They don't, they don't like old guys any further. So, <laughs> hey, I've got to ask any... you, what was there were any that finished up on the cutting room floor? Any you know, they often say there's no such thing as a bad idea, but did you have any that did finish up on the cutting room floor? Yeah, there, there, I've got quite a few lures, actually. I mean, I can't help myself, even though I'm not currently employed making them or haven't had a crack myself. I've certainly, I've never stopped designing things the last few years. So there's a, there's certainly some good things I've got out there, whether I ever do anything with it or not, I don't know. I'm sort of, you know, I'm getting old. What I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mainly it's catch fish and talk to my missus and pat the cat in front of the fire. I'm not, I haven't got any great ambitions, but yeah, there's certainly, uh, you know, there's certainly Don't get those things there. mixed up at any time, Bushy. You could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, no, well, I won't go there. There's probably a line, but I've been. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's all, it's all good. Uh, but I, I can't help myself. Yes, the short answer to that, uh, and hard bodies. I've got quite a few hard bodies that I keep messing about with um, because I'm interested in in both. I always knew it was going to swing back. In America, it's probably 50-50 hard body and plastic, and I always knew that was going to happen. Uh, so we did make a few hard body lures as well, which uh, some of those have been really good. I'm quite proud of some of those. There's one um, one we made called a bony brim, which I made for catching impoundment barra. And the thing looked a bit like a kid's toy. It didn't have a bib on it. It wasn't traditional. We couldn't sell it for 15 bucks. Um, but uh, after we stopped making it, a few people realised how good it was. And a lot of the competition guys still drag them out and use them. And you, you get 100 bucks for one if you can find one now. So I'm... I'm Proud of that, Louie. That was uh, that was sort of an original type thing, just done done for a job. So yeah, look, um, I'd rather look forwards than back, but it, it was fun, and I am proud of a few of the lures I made. Yeah. Right, well, you look back, you, you think about it. Uh, you and Sale started up those squeegees. Now, you walk into a fishing shop anywhere, and there's squeegees up on the wall. So that you must get a bit excited when you walk in and, and you see the product that you had a hand in designing and getting off the ground still still available today. Yeah, I used to get a lot more. Um, Excited about it, move when I got a dollar out of it. Now I, get, <laughs> I, get, now I tear up when I go in a shop and see them on the wall. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, if they haven't got your photo on them, I don't buy them. <laughs> Good on you, Merv. That's the <laughs> no, we'll be right. We're not, 
we're not talking. Look, you're very lucky to have some success in life, and I've been I've been pretty lucky. I've had two or three things that have worked really well for me, and then uh, you know a few of the what most of us have, a few of the rest that didn't work. So, look, I'm not uh, I'm not bitter and twisted about the squidgies, and I'm certainly not bitter and twisted about them finishing. Uh, uh, it's uh, all these things have a have a life of their own, and it's been good actually to to back off a bit and just relax and I find I'm, I'm a bit more interested in designing lures now than I was when I was sort of going flat out. Good on you Bushy, great to have a chat with you thank you very much for your contribution to fishing and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future Anytime guys, not a problem Cheers yeah. Bushy, thanks, thanks very much Good mate. on you mate, thank you Well that was Bushy There he was legend. Bush, The legend <laughs> And a bit of fishing royalty. He and Steve Starling yes. were fantastic for uh, pioneering soft plastics, and we heard all about it there. Now, I do have a story to tell. Okay. <laughs> I do have a... Um, a fisherman with a story. We we drove up to, when I say we drove up to, Darren Ryan, Terry Ryan, myself, drive up to the Barra Classic one year. Mm-hmm. And we got up to, what's the what's joint um, above Catherine, below Adelaide River? Um, it's a little little roadhouse on, on the highway. I reckon it's Pioneer Creek or something like that. Pine mm. Creek. Actually, Pine Creek. There you okay. go. So we pulled in there, busload of kids, okay, so a minibus full of school kids. <laughs> I'm tipping from Darwin. Pull up, and there he is. I get out of the car. There he is. There he is. And I'm thinking, happy days. Got the boat on the back, oh, walking out. Go. I've got the tits Another out. I'm thinking, <laughs> bring it on, guys. Hey, Merv Hughes. Test cricket legend. Yeah. That's in it. Hey, Bushy! How are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Taj Bush, he's a legend. Kevin, Kevin, the same thing happened at Mackay. Cooch in the dam <laughs> was driving the boat onto the trailer. This old bloke pulled up and said, Hey, is that Max Walker down there? I said, no, no, it's just Merv, he's your idiot. <laughs> mate, Max Walker, rest in peace. Too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> John Dumphrey, he spoke about John Dumphrey yeah. and, and um, you would know, but he's the one that, that got Shimano up and running. Okay. In us right now, even if you don't, Oh, Shimano's an iconic yeah. brand name. So John Dumfrey was uh, the man behind that, wasn't he? Yeah, we had Bushy at the restaurant one night. Mervyn, Mervyn Bushy did a did a sporty one night down there at Paul Kennedy and Lakeside Boulevard, packing them, cha-ching. And um, I reckon if he shaved Merv's my wolf and Bushy's, you'd probably get two mattresses. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's looking very good, very, very bushy. Very grey. Yeah, very grey, very, very bushy. Grey That's, and all right. That's all right. That's all right. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your mustache. I'm I'm talking about you two that would not know how to get a bit of facial hair if like a little bit of a breeze blow up, you clean shaven. Yeah, well, let's, let's get found out. Anyway. Now we're talking fishing. And now are you yeah, excited now? It's spring. It's September. The end of the show. Are you are you yeah. excited now about the, the warm weather's out? The sun's got a bit yeah. of bite in it now at long last, and you you're up got and about. Got a bit of bite. It was five degrees this morning. Yeah. I've, I've been talking about guys who've been going out onto the bay, and they're just saying when you get out there, it is cold, and you think well. Don't bait. Use use your soft plastics. Use your hard body lures and use your sinking lures and things like jigs. So you don't have to go out and get your hands cold. I was talking to Charlie Hill. Hopefully he won't mind me talking about him. But so when his hands got that cold, he couldn't move them. Yep. And he said it was he just sat there and, and froze. So um, yeah, still a little bit cool. Just waiting to warm up. We're heading off to Darwin um, later this week, and we to do. To do the the Murphy's fishing TV show, not mm-hmm. the podcast, because yep. otherwise you there would you have go. been going up there. And we don't really need to go up there and do the podcast, do we? No. We can just like listen. We're here in Darwin, exactly, right. and that's what. But um, we're going to have a jump on a, um, a a boat in Darwin and steam around to Bino Harbour, which is southwest. Yep. Uh, do a bit of fishing there. Head down to the Daly River. Do a, a bit there for some Barramundi, and then Darwin Harbour, because a lot of people go up to Darwin. 
and they travel far and wide from Darwin, but yeah, at the right tides, Darwin Harbour, so middle arm, west arm, just across the, the harbour there, around at, um, Charles Point, okay. there's some very, very good fishing yeah, the there. Big, the big black jerry's on the on um, the wrecks there, big fella yeah, in the, the harbour. Yeah, Mulloway. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you'd know that black jerry fish are called Mulloway, wouldn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Does now. It's Mr. Mulloway. And a lot of, lot of reef fish, so you <laughs> still get your coral trout and your, yeah. your red emperor. Okay. Um, your finger mark rim, so golden great, snapper. great area. Yeah. Just, let's just wrap great this area. up and let's jump on the plane. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll do we'll do Darwin uh, in the next podcast. Yeah, we'll see. We go. Thanks to Bushy for being part of uh, this uh, podcast, great, episode eleven yeah. of uh, Merv Hughes Fishing. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Merv. Uh, happy travelling to uh, Darwin. Yep. Uh, when next we will speak? Not a problem.